Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a two part Cheppy space entitled simply Convo. Let's take a listen. Yeah, what did you think of that, uh, that, that little Voyager conversation thing that just happened? Yeah, I, I uh, was out to lunch and then had a call, and uh, then I was driving around a bunch. So I caught just the back end of it, but, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, all the information that we get is not provable. So we're all like scrapping right. around to see <laughs> yeah. what leak we're info in this, can like, we get. Exactly. It's it's kind of like we're, it's like a lot of speculation on partial bits and pieces of info and unless you're sitting in, a, in that courtroom over there and watching this play out, like how would you even know, right? Yeah, and, and of course, I'm all for speculation, uh, but it's like, you know, we have nothing to work with. And really, if you look at, like, the Celsius UCC and how active they've been, just to give what they can. I understand there's so much they can't give, but they've been pretty active in, like, trying to educate in some degree. Here's where you go. Here's this link. Here's this stance. And you know, they're able to speak. It's like ours has just said on the Voyager side has just said, we aren't going to speak anything because we can say that we have the right to say we can't talk. Therefore, we get nothing. One sec, man. Uh, give me just a sec. Sorry about that. It was kind of rewarding here. Ordering <laughs> drive through. No, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> I made the mistake of like loading this place up while I'm in a drive through. <laughs> Carrie, go ahead and say something because none of us have anything to say. <laughs> yo, 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 it's Dr. Carrie yo, here. Yo, yo, Fallon. <laughs> I'm just teasing DJ Crypto. <laughs> um, <laughs> hi, guys. What's going on? Are we still poor? What's going on? Yeah, mostly. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, I was driving here with, we're outside of dance class, and I was like, I was like, shit, I didn't even look at what's happening with Voyager today. I'm like, I just thought that was a bad dream last night. Are we not talking about that? Or are we talking about that? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> the, okay. The, the on, yeah, the ongoing uh, mysterious nightmare. Uh, no, there was some, there was a guy on that, um, like, kind of, uh, that operates a fund. And he was kind of looking at... Um, like the Voyager situation. And I, I guess he was like, just trying to provide like some community advice. I don't think he had any real like specific details. Uh, one weird thing was like the title of that space, DJ. It was like, like, you know, $50 million is not enough kind of a number, right? Like, like, like what would be enough? Did you have any, I, I couldn't get a sense of like 
what that was all about because like it wasn't really clear like if someone bought the company are they actually vowing to take on that debt and therefore owe a bunch of money to the the creditors so for example if you bought the thing for 50 million but you actually bought like 700 million dollars in debt that would be a very like unusual situation right so the true cost to a buyer would be like let's say 750 million dollars it's not actually 50 million dollars right yeah, that would be the dream situation. Yeah, it'd be it, like the question then would be like, is is the customer base of Voyager worth that? Um, is it worth that much money? Like if you're a newcomer, like you're showing up with your money, your personal whatever, let's say you're coming up with, I don't know, a billion dollars. You would, of all things, you would go and buy Voyager and take on all this debt for some specific reason. So I, I don't know like what, is 50 million good or bad or how much the company's worth and all this shit. Right. I don't, is there like any guidance as to what they're worth? I'm not sure. Cause like even before the whole thing, they were still a heavy cash burn business. They hadn't like, I don't think they had gotten to the point of profitability yet really. Right. So like, what, what would you be buying? I could understand like Binance maybe taking on that kind of situation and maybe even like making people whole because they're they're They would be paying the money for like the regulatory, like, um, you know, for the licenses and everything else. Right. Um, but I don't know. Um, and, and I don't even know if it's been made clear. I saw some news articles about, um, you know, the crypto news style articles about, you know, so-and-so is worried that Binance, you know, is a foreign entity, blah, blah, blah. But some of those articles that come up on the internet are just largely bullshit too. They like, they're manufactured out of nowhere sometimes. So you can't always like, you can't read those and assume that they're true, even if they are on like, you know, the top of your Google news feed or whatever the fuck on the on the on your uh, search engine. So a lot of those things can be bullshit. So I don't know, maybe maybe Binance is still a credible um, like possible buyer and they'd be willing to take on that debt and literally make everyone whole because they're they're wealthy enough to do so without making a huge debt, assuming they want like access to an American market and American like regulatory regime. Uh, so that, that's the most useful buyer in my opinion, not so much FTX. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. did see, um, Binance, uh, there were a couple articles that because Binance isn't based in the U S, um, it's having trouble with some kind of regulatory thing with buying with, this was all like, this was not concrete though, but it wasn't a couple articles that Binance might not be able to buy it because it's not U S based. So I think there was a little bit of that going on yeah but you're right. I, I, I don't know i i'm not sure that that's the case like i, I some of those articles are just kind of like just scattershot you know like click right. to some extent i don't know if they mean anything um like here's the thing like the binance people have a paid uh, you know binance us in the united states so like they're not uh they're not a stranger to like us regulatory requirements it's not like we're talking about a company that doesn't already do business here in a sense so i, I don't i think maybe some of those articles are bullshit like Binance wouldn't even be at the table at all if there was no chance that it could happen, right? So I don't know. I'm not sure what they've offered or if they've offered anything or anything like that. I don't. I don't understand like what's going on. I, like I, I've gotten to the point where it's like I like at least on that project or call it a company project, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But I've lost enough money on it that I've like not. I'm not actually worried about it anymore. I've just sort of like in my mind have already written it off you know, uh, to the extent that like, well, like if I get something out of this fine, if not, well, like, what am I going to do about it? Like, am I going to go and like participate in court proceedings or some shit? Like the reality is, is like, I don't have time for all that noise. 
So um, I, I sort of like assumed that, um, you know, the, the risk I took was the risk I took. And I, I definitely had lost plenty on the coin, the stock, um, and, um, you know, whatever. So it's not like I wasn't plenty exposed to it in a sense. Um, but, uh, as far as like, yeah, being hopeful that I'm something useful is going to come out of it. I only, I don't have that much on the platform stuck there actually personally now. So to me, it's like, if I take a 50% haircut or whatever on whatever's left in there, I'm kind of just, uh, I'm resigned to just forget about it at this point. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm just like moving on. Like, I, I, I don't know that it helps that much to think about it, but anyway. And, you know, when people come on, like that guy today where, you know, he's trying to provide advice to the quote unquote community, like uh, a lot of retail people who have a moderate amount of money on the platform are not who um, are going to have the like clout, right? Like, let's say you had, you know, 20K on there. You're, you're not going to like upend your life to go and like sort that out. It's just not feasible, right? Like if you had like 10 million on there, I could assume that you would you know, have a serious like uh, horse in the race and you're going to want to have a lot of involvement because a lot of money might be involved. But I don't think most people in that situation are going to give a shit. And I think the class action type people or the people who might have some like um, they might have a reason to gin up a crowd and maybe like complain about, you know, and you never know whose motives are what when they're trying to like claim that let's say 50 million dollars or whatever's not enough or whatever that whole thing is i have a hard time figuring out like what the different motives are but the gentleman that came on today uh dj i'm like is he just kind of like um uh, is he just more like influence chasing he just wants followers or some shit like I i'm not really sure like is there something in it for him or what right i couldn't figure that out did you get a sense of it dj he's just he's the largest creditor with celsius and so he's been going at that for a very long time did some of the voyager community bring him on i guess to just chat about it yeah pretty much i mean he's had some involvement but he's actually kind of jealous of how the voyager uh bankruptcy proceedings have transpired because of all the mess that he's had to deal with with alex but um <laughs> the funny thing is uh alex mashinsky actually showed up near the end there i don't know if you noticed that like the, the actual alex not the fake one. <laughs> oh, really? No, I didn't. I, well, he has me blocked, so I wouldn't see it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> what the hell did you do to Alex to make him block you? <laughs> oh, I probably told him he's scamming people out of money, you know. <laughs> you know that thing he's actually doing? What, what, what's that? Oh, I said I, I probably tweeted that he was scamming people out of money, that thing that he's actually doing. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow him too much, so I don't know what kind of scams he may or may not be running. Can I ask DJ who he was just talking about like a minute ago because I was transitioning from listener to speaker? So you said someone was uh, heavily invested in Celsius or something? Yeah, he hosted the Twitter spaces earlier, Simon. Oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't know that because I'm not familiar. Yeah, this, this, is the guy, this is the guy that we were... Uh, it was in an AMA with like an hour ago, Gina, the, that, that the guy um, who was the host for that and was kind of like giving that sort of advice to the Voyager community person. Yeah, I popped in there in the beginning and then Jay Fibonacci was up in there feeling, you know, all important and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to, I'll let uh, Carrie uh, say what she was going to say and then I'll ask you my question, but I didn't know who oh. DJ was talking about. 
Yeah. So uh, hi, Gina. Hope you're doing well. Um, I just wanted to say like, yeah, could it be all for nothing? Yes. Like I haven't totally written off my money. I'm hoping that something happens. Um, will I be shocked if I don't get anything? Um, yes, I, I, I do think we'll get something, but I'm, I'm not sure. And this is obviously not financial advice. But one thing that I do think people should do, I reached out to my congresswoman and everyone in Massachusetts about this to get on, find out like what's happening to customers of crypto and the fact that our, you know, cost of living has increased so crazily and that kind of stuff. Like they're on, they're watching the case right now, but there's nothing ex that they can necessarily do, but they're watching it. And the more that people, you know, call, the more eyes are on things like this. So I do encourage people to um, ask their legislators, like, what is your stance on cryptocurrency? Why do you think your um, constituents need to to invest? Like what's going on there? So that's yeah. something. And I can help you find your person to reach if, if you need that. So just let me know and DM me. Yeah. And, you know, the stuff like Voyager was involved with, like the trades and things like that or the lending that they did. Those are not really insurable types of things either. So it wouldn't be like, okay, if they just took insurance or something that it would have been okay. right, exactly. similar to like, like imagine like you take crypto insurance and, uh, you know, you insure, let's say a billion dollars and you say, okay, well, like if our account, if our system gets hacked, so-and-so is going to provide insurance for us like AIG or somebody. Um, it's not like you can get insurance for a broker dealer type situation. That's just part of the risk of the whole damn thing. Um, right, right. I just wish I uh, like, yeah, it, it, it's still weird to me, though, that uh, like the team or whoever decided to park that much money with one um, uh, one debtor or whatever you want to call it. Like uh, it, it still boggles the mind of how silly that whole thing was. Um, and I know you know wants to ask a question, but the other thing I just like, I don't know, you know, I don't I think Voyage, the Voyager customers just want it back. But I don't know if it's this is not fraud, but there is a case for some kind of fraud against Steve DJ. I know like he did assure us a million times that our money was safe. So I don't know if anyone's gone that route, but it seems like the community just wants to, you know, get the money back and keep Voyager going, which is which is like a hopeful way of looking at it. But there yeah, is. I don't, I, I don't think he can. He, I don't think he ever stated that like our quote unquote money was safe. I think there's always like the the I, I think what was not made clear, like on a per asset basis, was that like you were entering into sort of this situation where let's say you had some coin on there that like doesn't even have any yield or anything that somehow just because you parked it there you were lending it out to somebody for some purpose when you weren't even making any income on it. Right. So there's a, like, there's a case to be made for that. Like the, I, I think the use of the like broker dealer system, I think is unclear to a lot of people. They figured in some ways it's very similar to like just throwing your money on Coinbase or some shit. And like, they're just a custodian and a custodian is very different than a, a broker um in terms of what that represents but it doesn't like the title of the company is not like voyager broker right like and then people can go no it's voyager and bank yourself like it's, yeah it's very misleading if it's if and now it's and now, sort of is. yeah it's for sure and, and he did tell us i'm not sure exactly but we can go back to the recordings after what happened in may with luna there was definitely a, an ama um on twitter 
about yeah. with him about I think it. He said, "Well, we didn't do anything really degen specifically, although like." Uh, I, I think they figured three arrows capital wasn't quite a degen move, right? Like they figured that was a safe move. So I think in their mind they were doing the safe thing, or whatever that means. And it turns out that like their exposure was a lot worse than uh, obviously they had imagined. Um, yeah. So uh, as opposed to like other things that were going on in that time, like people who had uh, threw a lot of money in with like Lido Finance and some other things that happened around that time. So I think the context of some of those comments were oh, we didn't do some of these things that are pretty kind of like sketchy. But it turned out that what they did was ended up being just as sketchy, if not worse. Because like, <laughs> at least if you had like some of these other things, you would have like been able to exit in some sort of manner. But in their case, like they just just lost it to three arrows capital, which is a totally different thing. But yeah, Gina, go ahead. Yeah, before I ask Sefi uh, my question, I am one of the rare few who doesn't hate Steve, um, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to get my money back. That's all. Oh, okay. Um, uh, well, I'm not speaking for you, honey. I'm just like in general, and you're not really in our heroes Discord, and you don't see the stuff that gets said in there, um, and some of the stuff okay. that I've seen said on 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 Twitter, like like. I, I was trying to be mild by saying not hate on Steve, but literally there's some people who've said stuff like he needs to go to jail, he needs to die, and shit like that is just like uncalled yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, like I think you know, everything I think everything he thought he was doing um, was for the good of the company. I, I don't like it was kind of his baby. I don't see it as one of those deals where like he was trying to screw anybody or whatever. He was trying like so you know. They, they always in business, there's like tough decisions and all. And as a broker, it's just there's certain ways that you generate yield in this and that. And I think he was doing what he thought was right at the time. Um, in retrospect, obviously, it's a different story. But like, yeah, you don't get the vibes off him that he's some sort of like, like he was already independently wealthy. Like he didn't necessarily need to do this. Right. It was sort of like, in many ways, a passion project for him. And and I, th I think he was legitimately trying to good, do good stuff. I mean, part of the reason why I, I threw a lot of money in with them is because, like, I, one of my general principles is I want to see, like, a lot better uh, maybe retail experiences for crypto, simpler ways to use platforms. And, and like, uh, you know, many of the things that it, the platform did well, it did really well, like bringing up a debit card and all this other cool stuff. Um, and the, the fact that, like, the technology ultimately worked well and ultimately, like they were able to execute on all those things, but then had this financial problem in the background that happened. Um, I, I I don't think it's like one of those things that you need to like string him up or whatever. Um, yeah, so I I think it's easy to be upset with him, obviously, because anytime money's lost, you know, like down with the you know like down with the witch or whatever. But I don't think um, in his heart, I don't see him as the type of individual that like is trying to run some some sort of big scam operation or some other bullshit like that, right? Yeah, I agree with you. There's just this, you know, angry mob uh, mentality right now. And everyone wants to just completely blame Steve. And sometimes when I defend him in our discord, I'm like, I'm not mad at Steve because at the end of the day, I only have myself to blame because I made those choices. And if you didn't do things like read the terms and conditions and realize that you're putting your money at risk and, you know, like you made these choices, but a lot of people just want to string him up and not take personal responsibility. And I just have issue with that, with the constant pointing fingers at others before pointing the finger at yourself and seeing how, you know, what you did to contribute to the problem. 
But, but anyway. But, but Carrie is right in a way, though. Like, uh, there are many aspects of the uh, the system that made it seem to retail to be more safe than it actually was, um, especially when it came to some things like, you know, their FDIC claims and then, like, this confusion for people about, wait, what's USDC versus USD and all this other business, right? Like, there was a lot that happened that, um, I, like, I would say, yeah, if you're kind of a crypto native or some shit and you really, like, are a nerd, you probably understood some of these nuances and that there could be problems, um, even though, like, e even though you might think those problems are not very likely to happen. But for the average retail user who is using the platform as sort of a, sort of like a savings vehicle, um, you know, and if you felt like if it was relatively safe, like a bank was safe, then I think, um, you know, people could have and could have been or, or were hurt much more because of the perceived safety of the system. But that's the same thing that happened with like uh, UST on Terra, too. Um, there's like a group of people that are like, look at the look at the thing as like superficially fairly safe and, you know, put like too much money into something that they shouldn't probably um, so yeah, that there's this kind of perception of safety. The other thing too, is like a lot of people don't want to learn like a dozen different platforms, right? Like imagine, uh, uh, Carrie, like imagine, uh, you have like seven different places you're keeping your money and you have to figure out what the hell to do all that. And then you have to like run taxes on all of that and all the other garbage, right? There is this tendency for retail users to go to a platform that they perceive is easy to use and seemingly safe. Um, and, and that actually in a way sort of like gets you in trouble because your, your, your assets are not in a, like, uh, they're not in a diversified location, even if they're in diversified assets. Um, right. whereas, yeah, so it, I can see where it would like confuse people. I'm going to disagree with you because I don't believe that ignorance is a defense. No, I, I agree. I, I just, look, it's, you know, if you've been around long enough, you realize like, 90% of people or more don't really understand money very well in many, many aspects of it or for that. And you get into the nuances of these companies. Like when people say do your own research, it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like a, it's like if you, if you meet enough people, you're like, uh, do your own research essentially means like, oh, what, you have like a degree in finance or something? Like, where do, would you go to find this research? Like, how would you know what their, their books look like? I actually, I actually, and pissed at myself for like, I, you know, kind of got a DM with like Steve and I was like, before all of this happened, uh, um, he was kind of open to like having me maybe visit with their treasury team and look at their shit and see what they're doing and see like what could be optimized. And I like kind of ignored it cause I was busy and I just like whatever. And, um, and, uh, never went to sort of either go meet him or kind of, um, he was pretty open actually about these things. And, um, I never actually like pushed the subject. He kind of forgot about it. I forgot about it. And then like this happened now, you know, ha if they showed me what their treasury looked like under some NDA or something, and I kind of looked at it and said, uh, why in the fuck do you have this much money with this one company? Like, you know, would that have changed anything? Maybe, maybe not. But like, I still kick myself for not having like pursued that Avenue, um, you know, earlier in the year, um, before all this happened. But anyway, uh, so what you're saying is this is all your fault. It's actually. all my fault <laughs> for being fucking lazy. No, what I'm saying is, is like, someone, Seffi, so I mean, I, you do have blame, the biggest rooms. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame retail um, users, like in you know, and like 
you know, there's a reason why like consumer protections and all those things sort of exist because like, it's the same thing in medicine, right? Like, it's like, um, you have to assume when you show up at my hospital that some standards are going to be followed, right? It's not like, it's not your job to become a fucking doctor to figure out whether like the choices I'm making are correct. You're hoping that like the fact that I have a license and I have this, that, and the other thing, you know, it creates a credibility shield for you that at least most of the things will get done right most of the time, right? It's not like there's a hundred percent guarantee you walk into a hospital, you're going to walk out alive, obviously, but it's, it's like you, you want to be sure this, some standards are met. Right. And I think, uh, this is what like at some level or the other consumer protection is about. It's about the idea that you don't have to be an expert in like, you know, medicine to show up at a hospital and receive credible, um, care or something. So in the investment space, it's one thing to say, well, like I picked a shitty coin and it went down. It's a different thing to say, like I picked a platform. I also bought a shitty coin, but the entire platform went down. That's a whole nother thing, right? Um, it'd be like if you went into a hospital and the whole fucking thing burned down or something because like people didn't manage the oxygen appropriately or something, right? Like there's some things you just expect to sort of work. And I think it's not unreasonable to think that like if you walk into a hospital today, you're not going to catch fire, right? Like, <laughs> which can technically happen, but like it's, it's, you're hoping that that doesn't occur and there's a lot of safety involved with that. But anyway, I, I so I don't know. I, have, I think it's yeah. kind of different though, because with, you know, with the medical industry, there's all these rules and regulations and laws that are in place um, and certifications for, you know, doctors and just all this other stuff. But crypto, like, if even the most basic research in crypto, you know that, you know, you don't have these rules and regulations in place to protect you. So it's kind of, I mean, for you to walk into yeah. a hospital, it makes sense for you to feel that safety for you to walk into anything crypto and feel that sense of safety. Um, I just don't it think depends it's on, it depends on how new you are to it. Like it's uh, like, if you've been around since like, you know, um, you know, Mount Gox or whatever. Yeah, sure. Like you're like, uh, no, no actual central exchange is safe, safe. And a lot of people don't like to, you know, custody their assets on any central platform at all. Right. There's, there's an entire argument for just putting everything in a wallet, which, um, is, is not unreasonable. Um, but at the same time, like notice how many people get their wallet scammed, you know? So it's really, really a sort of like wild west space it's like you have no idea what you're getting into and you're new to this like and and there's not like a manual you read and then it like protects you from all this shit like the reality is like people who are pretty savvy investors who like let's say invested in the voyager company or in the platform i mean you know people that own the stock for example who are not speculating necessarily on coins and this and that um or for that matter like people that um you know have had serious amounts of money. I don't know if you guys have met Mandivs. He's kind of an Indian guy that kind of hops into spaces from time to time. That guy is paranoid as fuck because he has had so much money stolen from different wallets from God knows what. And he's hilarious because like he's the one always giving advice about how to keep your wallet secure and he always gets like his money jacked. I'm like, dude, like are you following your own advice or what? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, DJ, you were so about to say something. Sorry. <laughs> I think another thing that kind of gets brushed over with the deal with Steve and the security aspect is so much talk and you all probably saw it was about the USD and everybody was talking about this FDIC insurance and how it wasn't safe and he lied and all this stuff. Turns out it actually was insured. Everybody did get their cash back. And the truth was 
that the USD is what the secure part was. And that played out. People didn't like how things were worded, but really the only poor wording was from two years ago and prior, which had to be fixed and was fixed. But the security was there for the USD. And even when it got bad, everybody was spreading the word. Not everybody. A lot of people were spreading the word. Hey, if you're concerned, put your USDC into USD. You're only going to miss a month or two months worth of interest. You don't make any interest anyway. Just put it over into USD and be safe because that's protected. Then there's all this FUD about USD not being protected. And so people didn't do it. They're like, ah, USDC is just as safe as USD. That was actually the problem. That was not by Voyager. That was not by Steve. That was from FUD causing people to stay in USDC, assuming that it was as safe. Nothing getting yield is safe. Nothing getting high yield, high risk, high yield. That's the equivalent. So USD gets nothing. It's going to be the safest. And that's what we should have known. That's what most of us knew all along. That's what Steve and Voyager were saying. That's where our safe bet was. And now that that played out to where people got their cash back, no one has come back and said, oh, sorry, Steve. Oh, sorry, Voyager. I don't want to kill you anymore. I don't want the worst things to happen to you more. I don't want to find your house and your family like people were saying. You actually did give us our cash back. I do know people who got millions of dollars of cash back. So no one goes retroactive to say, all the buffoonery that I was speaking, that's my bad. But that's where the security was. Yeah, like when the mob comes out, the mob, as you know, is just fucking crazy. <laughs> like that, like you, you can see the mob both in two two elements. You can see it in like the completely psychotic um, sort of sometimes meme coin crowd in terms of on the way up. And you can see it in the completely psychotic crowd on the way down. Like, so I think you see that, like you're never going to really convince those people to act rationally. Um, You know, I I think the odds of that happening are super, super low. There's always going to be someone just with pitchforks and whatnot. And uh, it is what it is. I've kind of gotten used to that sort of thing. It's part of the reason why like on these, like, uh, it's it makes more sense like if you're doing a lot of discussion or anything on crypto in some ways it makes sense to be anonymous as opposed to like a public face because like unless you're making some money off of this for some reason like why why make yourself public it just doesn't like it doesn't afford you any major advantages to do so I, on twitter it sort of depends on what the point of your account is but still like it doesn't necessarily help to like paint a target on your back that oh like you discussed bitcoin it went down after i bought it this kind of bullshit right so like um yeah so the the people that run like companies like steve or or um run a like a blockchain product and they are doxed essentially it's like it the trust goes both ways like when people love what's happening they really love that person and when they don't like what's happening they really hate that person it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thing. Like you saw it, like you, I don't know if you guys were, any of you guys around like during Steve jobs, you know, um, when like he left Apple and everything and like everyone came out with pitchforks wanting to fuck him up. Right. Like he's like, this guy's an idiot. Like, like the amount of FUD out there was unbelievable. And, um, and he was, you know, he was kind of an irrational actor in many ways. He was kind of fucked up. Um, but, um, at the same time, at the end of the day, like, I guess in many ways he turned out to be right. And here we are. Um, a lot of what we play with and the technology we mess with is at least in part due to his leadership. So it's like, and an interesting thing is like when Jobs died, I don't know if you guys know this, but 
they were more like like um, condo- not condolence but love letters sent to um, Apple um, uh, like saying that oh we love Steve Jobs blah 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 the amount of adulation for the guy was off the charts it was like more people knew who Steve Jobs was than any one deity in the history of the United- history of the world like literally more people knew who Steve Jobs then was Jesus Christ than like Allah or whatever you want to like <laughs> Krishna or something. Like literally he was the most well-known figure in the history of all time, like more so than any president or anything. You'd be sure. Like, so it's weird because like he went from being like this devil to this hero because the thing was successful. But um, yeah, like that extreme adulation though, at the same time, it's like people felt like their Apple products touched their lives or maybe made their lives better or whatever, whatever the case may be. And people are like that. Like they, they definitely marry their um, like, bags or they marry their products and stuff it's very interesting how like the world of sort of like fashion and um the world of religion and the world of like um tech sort of collide at some point to create these weird like things so like i've i've gone away from the idea of assuming that people are gonna like do their own research properly not that i don't think people should i just think it's hard to do the it's hard to do your supposed due diligence like no matter how smart you think you are um, even the sort of like the, the risk management ideas are not obvious to people. Um, it's, it's the reason why, like, like Hutch is here. Like, there's a reason why, like, there's like, you know, uh, certified like financial, uh, people that like to, you know, do the job of like providing advice. And there's like, there's a license for that. And, you know, it, it, people have to sort of like get a license that who understand basic financial products and stuff before they start. Uh, like talking about them from like retirement assets or something like that. So yeah, like the, the, a lot of people just don't understand sort of money and investments at a very, very core level and nor have the like educational background to do a great job sorting it all out. You know, Uh, I think a lot of people just have normal jobs doing normal shit and they have like many people haven't even gone to college, for example, like how much are you going to really know when you're reading some, I don't know, like some financial paper about something. I think it could go over your head pretty quickly, even if you have a pretty decent education, in my opinion. But anyway. Can you see my hand up, Sefi? No? Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) No, I was just wondering. Um, So did we find anything out about um, that 50 million, that offer or anything like that? Did we find anything out about that? I I didn't really. Yeah, I think there was some sort of offer by somebody. I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I really don't know what all that's about. I just sort of like hung out in that space and tried to glean something from it. Um, the gentleman that was speaking sounded pretty sharp as far as um, his understanding of these types of situations. I think he was just trying to provide some general advice to the community. It wasn't like uh, a very specific like prescription of what to go do or or whatever. And I think DJ was saying it's good to have these conversations because then the committee that does make those um, decisions um, in, on behalf of the community has like maybe had an opportunity to hear the community possibly, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. So hey, I think DMs. <laughs> oh, did, Gina. You hear, did you hear Carrie? She said, check your DMs. Oh, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, so in that space, um, cause I'm not familiar with Simon either. I just know he pops into those spaces that Keith does and Keith is the Shibnobi analytics guy. Um, but I'd never interacted with him before, but, uh, 
Sun Tzu posted uh, a YouTube video that he did uh, last night, I guess, in our Discord. And yeah, he seems pretty competent and pretty knowledgeable from watching that video. But in the space, if I don't know how long you were in there, but what would you say the most important pieces of information given in that space? Um, I think he just said, like, <laughs> I don't know, the title of this space sort of spoke for itself. It's almost like, don't, uh, $50 million is not a high enough bid for this thing. Um, at the other, on the other hand, nowhere during this discussion uh, did anybody say what the right amount would actually be. Like, does he think it's worth 100, 200? It's sort of like a stupid clickbait uh, title, which actually, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, so that's the reason why I kind of went into the thing thinking um, this, you know, it, it dragged me in to kind of see what people are going to say about it. But it was really a clickbait title because they didn't, nobody actually said, oh, like 50 millions, like 100 million should be the right number or some other thing like that. The entire thing was kind of like just very, very nebulous more just pure theory and like, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe like the guy hopped on either to be helpful or maybe he just wanted followers or some shit. Maybe he's going to sell his next book. I don't really know. Like, so whatever, like, you know, and <laughs> like when I do these things, it's mostly cause I'm just like, you know, having a good time and fucking around. Like I'm not necessarily like trying to sell you a book or like, you know, figure out to how to find some, you know, like develop a company or sell you some NFTs or some shit. I really don't care. I just have a good time. But like, the guy that came on, I'm like, I don't know, like, it sounds like <laughs> the title's kind of clickbaity and maybe he has something in it for him. But I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> hey, Cronus, what's going on? No, not much. No, if you guys want to know who Simon is, check out uh, Digital Assets News. Uh, you probably, you most of you should know who that is. Uh, Rob, he did an interview with Simon probably a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And the gentleman is actually very astute, and he has really good insight. He was involved with Mount Sox and helped them help that community way out of a bad jam. So, uh, does he have money yeah. invested? Does he have money invested? Yeah. But if you listen to that interview that he did with Rob, it's about an hour long. It's very well worth the listen, and I think uh, you'll get better insight into what he is, who he is, and uh, get a little bit better better perspective into it. I think I believe for one that he's trying to guide or trying to um, counsel people in the right way. And what I got from today's uh, meeting is essentially be patient that this thing only just got started. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I don't think he's a bad guy. I didn't mean to imply that at all. I just like um, different people have different motives for whatever they do, right? Uh, I think it sounded like he was generally trying to be helpful, right? I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but at the end of the discussion, because but the way the title was set up, it was set up in such a way that, oh, like I have some like number that I think is better than what's happening here. Uh, like, I don't think that was a good title. Like the way that they, it was a clickbaity sort of thing is kind of like uh, we're, we're really good at making cheesy clickbait titles here, by the way. <laughs> so it's fun to have fun with that shit. But like uh, for that discussion, I was like, wait, like what's what's he on about? Like, why is he talking about this particular monetary amount and all this? and I, I just felt like, um, yeah, though he's, he's, he seems like a credible guy. I have no problem with that, but we didn't walk away from it. Like Gina was asking, like, or, or Carrie was asking, we didn't walk away from it with anything particular that we could action. Like there was no actionable anything like in that conversation. So I was like, all right, I know nothing more than I knew like an hour before I heard this. And, yeah, no, I mean, he, yeah. no, I'm, and we all have to be careful. Well, he has to be careful into what he says. And I think it's incumbent upon us 
to ask insightful, que insightful questions, right? So uh, I think that's for one. Two, uh, the, another takeaway that I took from it is that we have a voice. We need to voice our voices, if you will, in a professional, respectful manner to the people that are, that are out there to listen. So I think Dr. Carey or Gina was stating that contacting our respective state representatives is a good first step, continuing to communicate but with in, the UCC. And now, so in this situation, though, I don't think our representatives are going to be able to help at all. Like the UCC no, I mean, that I want committee. Them, that wasn't why I called. I called them to know that it was going on, but I want yeah. them to know that there's no that things are unregulated and this is happening to their right. citizens. Like that's so, more. So, th okay. so this is like a heavy regulated scenario, but it's like it's a it's in federal court essentially. I think so. Ultimately, it's like uh, if you have an opinion about how the the committee should vote, the question I have is like I don't know the first thing about how to contact the committee, right? Like. I don't even know what's on their docket. Like we haven't seen the various evidence, right? So it's, it'd be like walking into court and just not knowing what's going on. And like, you haven't been in court all week long, right? If you ever done jury duty and you hear all the statements and all the shit that goes down. And then at the end of the week, you just show up instead of being there the whole time and you go, uh, I don't know what to pick. Right. Like that's how the, that's how the feeling the community has at this point. Like we're in this situation, like DJ had mentioned earlier, we have a little bit of the information, but we're not standing there every day looking at the, the, the various conversations and all of that, it's almost impossible to impart that. So the committee's there to sort of be a surrogate for us and be a representative for us. And you're hoping that the committee is a group of creditors and therefore like whatever benefits them, hopefully benefits us um, and the interests are in line, aligned, right? That's the only thing we can hope for, I think. Well, it's a side comment that I like to make is that the people that are making these deals, FTX, Binance, Voyager, um, the UCC, the court, everybody has to be very, very careful into how we navigate through this chapter 11, because if it goes well, I think it'll vote well for regulation and it'll be a more kind of what Steve used to say, thoughtful motor regulation. But if the wheels all begin to fall off the cart, the SEC is going to, the SEC is going to take a far more punitive approach to the whole thing. And I think they're watching this very carefully to see how it's managed. If it's managed poorly by the people that are yeah. in the midst of negotiations, if it's managed poorly, it's going to be bad not, not only for us as investors and token holders, but it's going to be bad for the industry. So I just hope that they realize that they're really pay, playing, not with fire, but they're playing with the entire ecosystem. So it doesn't matter if you're a Bitcoin holder or a Doge holder, it's going to affect us all and it's going to be very dependent into how this is managed. Yeah, maybe like the, it, not all of what's happening here is necessarily like an SEC problem. But yeah, they're probably watching things like, oh, look, they had a token, VGX token and this and that. And like these quasi securities or outright securities and all these kind of like edge cases. Yeah, I mean, all of it's going to make a difference in how slowly um, this is perceived by the public. But um, oh, hey, uh, uh, Chert, uh, is that how you say your name? I think you're Wait yeah, me. yeah. I did hop. I did hop into that space. Um, you know, I kind of sat in and listened. I think they kind of bounced around Celsius and VGX and a bunch of other stuff. But one of the things I try to mention to them is, you know, that fifty million uh, number. It's not exactly clear what that's including, right? And if I mean, if that article is correct, um, yeah, your your point uh, that you made was actually 
one of yeah. the most useful comments in the actual discussion. It was like, yeah, uh, like where did this fifty million come from, and why do you like what he didn't answer in this was the title of the space, which was fifty million is not enough, kind of a thing, and uh, yeah. he yeah. didn't clarify what is enough. Like it was a stupid clickbait sort of title. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, because 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 just my experience on acquisitions and and buying, you know, acquiring a company that has debt. Sometimes when you hear that number, it's including the debt. So what it means is, you know, the whole plus fifty million, um, which which is what I think that number is. But again, I, if the article is real, then yeah, because you know, fifty million doesn't make any sense, right? What if you're, you're going to go, is, yeah, what you're, you're going to go is Voyager that- plan. Um, the Voyager's plan is better than fifty million, so I don't know why they would do an auction if it's worse than the plan, right? So that's kind of my my thought. Yeah, what you're saying is they're paying fifty million dollars, but they're taking on seven hundred million dollars of debt. You know, exactly. so like they're not really they're not really like gaining anything uh, except uh, a, a platform and a user base, but they're still taking on a bunch of debt potentially. Which yes, is in problem. essence, the the value is seven hundred and change, right? Seven hundred and fifty or whatever the debt is, seven hundred yeah. million is what they what they're paying. And if, if they pay fifty million for that, you know, and like they make the the creditors whole somehow. That would be amazing if that's even possible. Um, yeah. I, I think only a few companies in the world are actually capable of like taking on that kind of risk. So, but we'll see. Yeah. Hey, Hutch so. uh, or Gina. Gina, did you have a comment? Yeah, I have a question for Church. Since you were in there, what would you say um, was like some of the most important pieces of information to come away from there? Um, I want to do you know the other thing apart from the other ramblings and stuff but the other thing that i kind of latched onto is trying to in this whole process you know they kind of pushed trying to uh get equity for the creditors not just you know equity because he talked about equity and debt right so after everything's said and done we should be able to get some equity in 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 the company if it's if it's voyager or if it's ftx we should be able to get some equity in that company which is what he was. Yeah. So exactly. The idea is like you would own at least part of Voyager or part of, uh, a part of like FTX if, and therefore like you would have access to like shares of the company and the future possible growth, which then aligns the, the holders, uh, on that platform with the success of the company to some extent. Mm -hmm. So you might have a reason for those customers to stay also. That might be another like, catalyst or incentive to people to stay i think that might have been part of it too yeah so that was the other yeah that's a good point that was the other takeaway i think and that was about it like um yeah so it's yeah there's a lot of like (laughs) a lot of details that went into that conversation but you could probably summarize in three minutes is basically what what church just said yep cool um jerry or hutch what's up yeah uh i i had something to share but i can you just clarify that so are they saying that the the creditors or the VGX token holders or the stockholders specifically would get equity, just in that last comment you shared. I think he was referring to the the creditors when he was talking mostly. Um, okay. I think the shareholders are just straight up wrecked. I don't think there's a whole lot to say about that. Um, and token holders? Token holder, there's no obvious reason. Um, you know, like if the platform survives, I think you'll have a big pump in the token price, probably assuming all the other like uh, things that the token did before were still at play. But I, but there's nothing about the token that automatically would like accrue value as a result of anything happening here. Other than yeah, that's, like, yeah, 
that's actually what's really interesting to me and and going back to uh gentlemen a couple of speakers before shared we're really in uncharted territory so uh, i dropped all my financial licenses and to be honest as a financial professional the things that i learned in the licensing didn't really help me in terms of practicing as a financial advisor but the one thing i remember on the test was the order uh of of bondholders and stockholders, if you will. And so bondholders are basically anybody that holds debt, or in this case, it'd be account holders. Like there are creditors, probably some kind of creditors that lent money to Voyager, but then all of us that had accounts are creditors too. Uh, well, the stockholders. Hutch, in this case, everyone was an unsecured creditor, like uh, practically everyone. I don't think there was anyone above us in that sense. So, so we're all, that's cool. So we're all in line. And yeah. that's what I was going to say. There's, there's tranches or hierarchies, but yeah, we're all kind of, commingles as creditors stockholders are screwed uh thankfully when i saw the writing on the wall i sold that at a big loss in my stock but the token holder thing like this is really kind of historical and may set some precedent going forward so hopefully they're spending some time with that uh just because this probably won't be the last time unfortunately that we're going to see that right like where do token holders fit in this pecking order and you know i'm sure going forward if there is some kind of token for exchange or whatever else uh, that is regulated. They're going to have to lather it with all kinds of disclosure that just says like, this is fucking meaningless, <laughs> right? Here, yeah. If you're buying tokens and hoping for better rewards, basically, you know, in the pecking order of things, you don't even have a bag of air when it comes down to it, or it is meaningful. And I guess they'll, whatever this judge's decision is, will set some kind of precedent going forward. This is why so many times I've said like with utility tokens, like, coins in crypto that are meant to have some specific function um use them for that function and that function alone like there's no reason to have like a mega sized investment beyond that uh generally speaking even then some of those investments could get large but um you like don't use those as like a heavy heavy speculative vehicle and i think everyone puts too much into lots of things depending on who you are but um yeah jared bear uh it has been waiting a bit you got a comment yeah, no, um, I just, could you give me like a recap on what space you guys are talking about? I hear you guys talking about Voyager. Oh, like, no, there was, a, something... there was a company called Voyager that is a Canadian company that actually had a product in the United States. Uh, and it was basically like a um, exchange brokerage type of thing, like a, think about Coinbase, but a little bit different. Anyway, gotcha. but the thing crashed because they had lent out a lot of money to um, Three Arrows Capital, which went under this last year. And as a result, like, all hell broke loose and they went bankrupt. And there's a lot of people that uh, are trying to get some, recoup some value from this. And this is what this was about. Um, yeah, there's almost no, if you're not in this, that particular thing, it like, yeah, we'll move on from this conversation anyway. Like we've had, a, we're probably said as much as need to be said largely, but um, yeah, anyway, it, there, don't concern yourself with it too much unless it has, like, unless you actually were on the platform, it's, it's not worth your time. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't invested in Voyager at all. So it's it. Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> I would I would say just as as an aside, I would disagree with the made whole plus fifty million dollars for sure. But a couple things, even in that disagreement, a couple things to consider is the stipulations of the BlockFi uh, arrangement. It's not really a buyout; it's more of an arrangement that there are stipulations in there that have been pointed out that it could go down to as little as $15 million on the purchase price, even though all the headlines said anywhere from, I think it was like 200 to 400 million. Uh, but there's like 
productivity results. There's a lot of stipulations. And since nothing that's come out is actually factual as far as, yeah, this is legit. Yeah, this is, this is an actual $50 million bid or whatever. But if we were going to be made whole plus $50 million, which would essentially cover all the fees of going through this, uh, the papers would be signed already and everyone would agree. But that's just my opinion. And from yeah, what I've you're probably you're probably right. Um, yeah, but I'm not um, saying I agree it's 50 million. I think that's a yeah. BS leak, but I don't believe we're at made whole plus 50. Yeah, the number is probably meaningless at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, I would agree. Uh, Bloom, what's up? Hey, Sefi. So uh, <clears throat> I'll take this opportunity to actually uh, say something bright and respective to finance because that's my world. Um, <clears throat> you know, I like what Hutch said, of course, about the, the hierarchy on default and whatnot. And of course, like you're saying, none of that's relevant because this is at the point in time on an unregulated industry, um, which absolutely makes sense. And I think from a government view, there's no precedent. And in fact, it would be a very bad choice from a judge. And I'm sorry for all my friends that got hurt in Voyager. I got hurt a little bit too, but you know, a little bit of risk adjustment there for me. Um, it would set a very expensive precedent if they actually went out and protected client assets in crypto too. So in the future, with more regulation, I would expect crypto assets to actually fall underneath stocks, which are basically at the end of that default line. Um, just something to consider. Like, you know, they're not, I hope, I hope people get their money back. Of course, you know, it's a shame what happened, but from a precedent standpoint, why would they want to extend rights or they won't enumeration? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because essentially they want to bring more regulation in and, you know, they're, they don't have to protect client assets. Like in traditional, they have no, to protect. My, my, my point was like the, anytime you're dealing with any company that's a brokerage, which is what Voyager is, I don't care if it's like Fidelity or, you know, any number of different brokerages, you just, you guys have to realize that your money is not technically your money. Like it, it can be lent out on a whim. That is what a brokerage actually is. That's how they earn some of the yield and different things on that. So that is part of the risk of it, right? It's not like there's, there's a reason why like fidelity, for example, to people like at all ever, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like just, a lot of, like, here, like a, I'll give you a good example. Like, let's say you have your retirement money, right? Your, your cash. And it's going into an IRA and you have not actually assigned that money to go into like a mutual fund. It's just going into what you consider as cash. Even that is oftentimes in like Fidelity uh, money market, as an example, if you're it's in Fidelity. Swept. It's, and, swept. it's swept overnight, Seppi. It's swept overnight and Fidelity yeah. or Schwab would, would take that money and they would earn money off of it and they return it the next day. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's a more it's a more rapid uh, fire thing. But the point is, like, it's not a zero risk. It's not like it's FDIC insured, as an example, like when you put it in a bank. So so if a company, a large company, let's say were to go under, let's say, I don't know, like uh, Lehman Brothers did or something like that. If you're with a brokerage type or or hedge fund or other sort of in, uh, fund, like your funds, even if they're not in what you consider a secure like investment vehicle, like some. Think, think of a money market as sort of like a stable coin in a sense. Like th there are reasons why it can technically break. Um, it's not likely to break, but it's not impossible to happen. 
And I think a lot of people assume lots of things about where their money's going. This is what I was saying about like retail investors not having always a clear idea of where their money's actually going. There's a reason why like banks are banks and brokerages are brokerages and they're separate. And I think um, like that, that is something. So Voyager was not in a fully unregulated regulated industry. It was under a brokerage license. They're actually licensed to do exactly what they were doing. So there's nothing like illegal that was done about who um, they invested with. The problem was who they invested with. Those people didn't necessarily um, were not entirely above board, but it wasn't Voyager's fault that those people weren't above board. It was their fault that they allocated too much money to Three Arrows Capital. That's the thing. And 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 like, what so, if they only defaulted on their Bitcoin and USDC? Why does that mean that all the other assets have to be gone? Like, why? Yeah, it's because the brokerage I mean? kind of lives and dies as an entirety. Like for the for all the creditors, it's not like. There's no way to separate out the different assets and things. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's not yeah. siloed in that sense, the way you think. Right. It would be. Right. And they have to. They have to pay like, their debtors. Their secured, secured debtors come first. Unsecured debtors come second. There's a hierarchy to the whole process. And because it was an unregulated market, the client's assets, the value of the client assets have to count towards that payback, essentially. So there's the, the other thing is there's also commingling going on, right? So just because it's Bitcoin and USDC, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, it's all commingled, right? So if, uh, if someone that's bought Doge or whatever takes a massive gamble, right, <laughs> we're all getting affected, even though, for, even though we're like, oh, I don't want to buy Doge, I want to buy Bitcoin. That's the whole funny thing about this, but in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm going to buy these, you know, these coins that I, I've done a lot of due diligence on and it's legit and then all the people are buying them coins because that's what they're interested in you know that's that's cool um and uh and, and voyager in the back end is taking all that stuff and and you know and getting uh getting rates on it to pay folks back but it's all commingled so right and real quick i mean you have a lot you had a lot of leverage in the system and you had still had a very nascent brand new asset class industry that you know if the crypto market in and of itself was greater than three, three trillion, and is at twenty trillion when this happened, you know the 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 counterparty risk would have looked a lot different. But because we're in such early stages, and because the market cap is so small, and traditional companies can actually hedge funds or whatever could use futures and derivatives to bet against crypto easily and impact it. That's part of the, the, the you know, the, the risk. That's part. That's obviously part of why it worked out that way as well. So if it was a, if it was a older, more established industry, it wouldn't have played out as fast, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah. Although, although if you remember like the late nineties or whatever, like when like, or uh, not late nineties, um, when the, when the subprime crisis happened i think it was like late 2000s or whatever it was um and uh like lehman brothers and some of those went down like uh those were massive large magnitude events like just earth shattering type events right and they all had to be bailed out by the public essentially which was fascinating right um, that was and- uh sevi not to correct you because you're brilliant that was definitely a systemic global risk credit issue and sure. a- across you know, the G12 at the time or whatever, like that was systemic. Um, and it's just a big deal and everything kind of froze up. And, you know, and that's really what happened in the DeFi thing too, it became a counterparty risk thing 
with three arrows and whatnot, and who was exposed to them. And then it played out very similarly. Uh, I, I guess my argument is like, if you look at stocks, for example, and something bad happens to Apple, it'll impact for a couple of days, but eventually all that risk is transferred out. And in crypto, that just wasn't possible because it was too, you know, it was the, the market caps weren't big enough and the system wasn't built the right way, let alone all the other stuff as well. So hopefully that just gives you guys some perspective because I think people do benefit by understanding how traditional was built and understanding how crypto is being built right now. Yeah, that, yeah. thank you. Um, there's a couple of people, Sefi. I don't know if you want to get them, Little Vera and Lunk. Yeah, Vera, what's up? Uh, hey, guys. Interesting conversation. Um, I've been personally following all this uh, Voyager, Celsius, and Three Arrow Capital collision back in a, a few few months ago. And what's very interesting is I don't know how many of you know, but Chapter Eleven bankruptcy is is a very unique way a company can file bankruptcy. What Chapter Eleven bankruptcy allows for a company to do it allows it to operate the normal business the way they would meaning they can pay salary to the employees, but they would not allow investors to withdraw. So chapter 11 bankruptcy is very interesting because they allow those companies like Voyager, Celsius, and Three Air Capital to operate while they're coming up with the restructuring plan. And the restructuring plan means basically they have to come up with the plan how they, how they are going to do better in the future and they don't even have to dissolve the board of directors what they actually would have to do they have to take a vote from the large large investors to um either dismiss or keep the same board of directors most most times they just keep the same people they've been having from the from the very beginning what is another thing that's very interesting about chapter 11 bankruptcy is after all this restructuring is done and there's a skeleton of the company remains, who is going to inherit that skeleton is one largest investors. And if you look at the Voyager, who actually is one of the most largest investors in Voyager is FTX. So after all Voyager is done with the bankruptcy, uh, whatever, blah, 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 FTX is going to absorb and acquire the skeleton of the company. I mean, that, that just, that's just something to think about. Can you guys hear something? Yes, uh, Predator, what's up? Predator, are you there? I think maybe he's just putting his hand up. Sometimes they, people do that in the in, in, in right. spaces. Oh no, he's here. <laughs> uh, I wish good day to all people. I am so confused when I heard that someone doesn't believe in something. Tell me, do you believe in traditional money? Of course you believe. I know this because I work in the banking sector in the field of information and cybersecurity. You and over your power and responsibility. It's just paper. It's just a number. It's a number that goes from point A to point B. And my job is to make sure people don't lose that number. When people lose money, they are disappointed, sad, and commit suicide. I know it. 
I know it because I investigate these cases every day because of the number you and others trust. The problem is that we are slaves to the elite. We do not decide what the real value of money is. They told us this value is reported to us. Money is not bad. Only the principle on which they are based today is wrong. Crypto gives us the opportunity to find a more fair way to determine the value. We are at the turning point in the history of money and we have a choice. Do we want to make decisions or remain slaves? That is all. I've already made up my mind. Hey guys. Yeah, I was kind of... <laughs> I'm over here like picking up some ramen. <laughs> I'm buying a can opener. Hey, Ed. Um, yeah, no, that was interesting, Predator. Can I not hear um, Sefi? I haven't had my hic- uh, like, fix of hearing Addy's voice today yet. <laughs> have to, uh... oh, creepy. <laughs> What's that? I said so creepy. Just kidding. Go ahead, Addy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. I've just been sort of listening in the background. I'm still working, so. Yeah. How's everyone's day going? Cool, doing well. We're just like talking about just random stuff here. Um, yeah, if, if if anyone wants to hop up and chat about anything, we're just sort of like uh, we were kind of talking about some random Voyager stuff just because there was like an event today. Um, but uh, yeah, if, if people have anything to hang out, chat about, we can change subject to whatever you guys want. Just kind of hanging out. Got my little Starbucks and picked up some ramen to go <laughs> and uh, just kind of getting dinner. Yeah, and things were going well until, um, you know, Sefi and Jonathan are like, yeah, you, you're you not going to get any of your money back, <laughs> which is maybe the case. But I do think, you know, when I'm trying, you know, be open, open to spirituality, open to the universe, what will be will be. But also I'm praying for the most beneficial outcome for all. And I'm hoping that we get something back. So I'm no, sure. I think, I think you will. I think there's there's plenty of actual cash on their books. So some well, fraction of, of anything is going to come back. It's not going to be zero. Of course, of course, you're going to get some money back, but you're probably going to get uh, pennies on, on a dollar. Yeah, it might it might be only like half or something like that. We're not really sure what the terms are, but um, that's why there's like a committee there to sort of like broker the terms of the agreement to try to benefit creditors to the best of their ability, um, whether that's benefited best by making sure Voyager survives or maybe it benefit us best by, you know, like some other whatever, like we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, and I want people to get their money back. I'm not saying that. I hope you guys get half your money back or whatever it is. I'm just showing the perspective of why they're not always incentivized to do it right this Right, the second. I'm sorry to be the bad guy. No, no, no. I was just telling Addy how I'm feeling. I know, I know that my money would benefit you, probably Bloom. So I'm sure you're, you would oh, want me to. I'm definitely else. rooting for a happier <laughs> Twitter girlfriend to get her money back. Absolutely. Yeah, bitch, give me my money. I'm hoping something. I'm going on a very nice vacation of some kind. <laughs> like, yeah. 
in a in <laughs> RV with all the kids. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Need a big like bus. Um, Hutch, I did want to talk Hutch. about the lunk burn, but I think Hutch wants to talk again. Yeah, Hutch, so. you there? <laughs> yeah, uh, if we're cool changing gears, I, I, I think I have a timely topic. Yeah, yeah go good. for it. Anything's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw um, a post by Haley Lennon today. I retweeted it. She's, a, she's an attorney that's pretty prominent in the crypto space, been involved for a while, kind of kind of rolls the Bitcoin maxi way, but... Uh, She's she's up on stuff and, and showed that a judge has basically ordered uh, Tether to show where its backing is coming from. And my post, whether it's just conspiracy theory noise or not, is, you know, this whole tipping of the dominoes started with UST and Luna. Obviously, the Voyager thing and Three Arrows is a result of that. Uh, and that's enough to really scare the public away from getting into crypto. But uh you know, if if indeed Tether is not fully backed, that's enough to to really send the crypto markets reeling and and thoroughly scare the public. So it's something to be concerned about. Uh, obviously, there's been rumors about that for a long time, but apparently a judge has actually ordered backing. It's my understanding that they're domiciled in different countries, so who knows how much red tape will uh, be necessary before that happens. But um, you know, my question for everybody is. Where, where do you hide? You know, we don't have a decentralized stable coin. We have a centralized stable coin with some issues, USDC, and then there's USDT. Uh, US dollar, in my opinion, has lost its peg to inflation considerably. So even though you still have X amount of dollars, uh, I just bought some tacos. Uh, you know, three tacos for 25 bucks. <laughs> so I that on, your, on your profile, I'm like, man, I want tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually back in Austin. I was out here for the crypto conferences in June. Twenty-five out here for that's something. Not, that's not Yokiara Taco Bell going on right there. That's something. It, it is not, but they were, in, in his words, they were six-inch tacos. I, pr I probably could have been good with two, but um, I, uh, I carry around too much payload as it is. So just in case, I, I ordered three, and I am thoroughly full, and they were excellent. So, But yeah, that's, that's not cheap. Uh, it was quality. I got one brisket, one carnitas, and one chicken. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, even Yo Caro Taco Bell, like what used to cost me five, cost me nine now, you know, so even though they're saying inflation's 8%, um, I've been involved in the metals for a while. Uh, recently, just because I'm still a little bit skittish uh, from the two projects I was most excited about, Luna and then Voyager, I've, I've pulled back from crypto a lot. I still believe in a long term, but kind of gone back to my roots with metals and adopted the silver squeeze movement. I think there's some real legs there and there's some fundamentals, but uh, if anybody knows about the PAX G token, for money that you have off chain, I don't know, I'm asking, is that a viable opportunity? Um, it's not stable, but then again, what is? You know, USDC may hold pegged to a dollar and it's centralized and if you can live with that, but is the dollar holding pegged to anything or is it not? Hutch, I would say like Pax G is more interesting as a trading instrument. Like I don't know that I would necessarily hold large quantities of it in a, in like instead of gold. Like if you are going to hold something and it was in, it depends on how much money you're talking about. But I would probably just hold gold if that's like like actual physical gold, maybe if that was the route you're taking. But like Pax G is interesting because if you want to play on the volatility of gold and like trade against it on a crypto exchange, that makes sense. Like some sort of grid bot or something. But I don't know that I would play with it for 
just holding lots of it like yeah I, I i i put a little bit of it i have i had some usdc left over from salvaging scraps from luna and and voyager and, and i did put a little bit not much um they got a pretty good white paper but it almost sounds too good to be true to me i don't want to fud anything but didn't know if anybody knew and and what i would really like i mean what would be awesome is like a pax silver because i think with institutional demand there is you know it's needed for every solar panel it's needed for all the batteries think of all the teslas and future teslas and phones and just electronics uh there's and even today you know the fed raise rates and usually when they raise rates it means a stronger dollar and gold and silver go down like almost every time they raise rates today it actually went up so it almost reminds me when they cut rates right before covid usually when they cut rates and they cut it by 50 basis points, which was kind of kind of spooked the market. Usually when they cut rates, stocks go up. And I remember the, the day it was like March, I don't know, third or something. They did this emergency 50 basis point cut and the market just rolled over and puked. And that was like, obviously we lost like 30% shortly after that. Well, this time they, they cut rates and price of gold and silver went up a little bit. Everything else went down. Uh, but I, I don't know if that indicates that maybe the suppression is done. I, I don't know, but uh, but it'd be cool to have an on-chain token that that actually does track these metals. There again, though, you have this problem with this whole dilemma of like, how do you do that in a decentralized manner? I don't know if you can. You but, don't. That's that's yeah. the reality. Like anytime there's a physical anything, there's not a really really decentralized way to do this. Because remember, like it's what I said about Terra. It's like what was missing is decentralized finance needs needs uh, decentralized remittance. So unless you had like vaults all over the world, like thousands of them with verifiable gold in them, and somehow or another the Pax G was tied to this, if right? It's a central entity, you're back to square one either way. Of course, yeah. But it's yeah, it's so, just right. it's just I guess the overall theme, and I know I'm kind of all over the place. Is just like where where does somebody go if you have on chain assets? Where do you go to hide? Uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like everyone's looking for that like uh, that uh, sort of like safe island in the in the middle of nowhere and. And I, I see that, uh, like, for example, Hamilton just posted up things about Bitcoin. The thing about Bitcoin is it's not um, it, it, it's good in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of uh, uh, benefits there, too. But it's not necessarily private, obviously. And uh, fiat on and off ramps are not necessarily guaranteed either. So unless you're mining Bitcoin yourself, uh, you know, th there's there are issues that could happen there as well in terms of long term. One, um, so we don't really know what that what that's going to be. I, I and I agree with you. I've been reading about that. But one interesting little take, and I'm not fighting Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin. I actually think and hope it'll get a little little, little bit cheaper, so I can get back to my old stack because I, I did salvage for scraps uh, after licking my wounds from Luna and and then later uh, Voyager. One really interesting thing about Bitcoin is part of the reason why it's correlated to the to the Nasdaq and the stock market is because it's it's part of the carry trade like people and obviously crypto people especially are using leverage well now leverage is a lot more expensive than it used to be and so that's why we see the prices of stocks going down that's why we see the prices of a lot of crypto projects going down because there's no not free lunch but cheap lunch anymore in terms of all this cheap leverage and what's interesting about the metals trade is fundamentally the people that hoard that that are hodlers of metals aren't using leverage and the people that are using leverage are the people that have been suppressing it. So like they there's all kinds of guys in the silver squeeze movement that are posting about the daily cost to 
to basically put on these shorts. And the shorts are just massive institutional shorts suppressing the prices. So what's interesting about that is everything else that we're long or we want to be long, they're going to go down because the cost of leverage gets more expensive. But with metals, and so it's not saying, financial what advice. What you're saying is at some point, like some sort of like epic short squeeze is likely to happen with gold and silver. And that maybe you'll have like this huge, like exponential move at some point and reprice everything. Yeah, that that's what's like, I didn't start the silver squeeze movement, but that's like the whole thing is, you know, basically the same thing that that happened with uh, AMC and uh, GameStop and now Celsius, like these distressed companies that, you know, essentially retail, the retail public are banding together to go long to force the short sellers to buy and cover to create spikier bounces. These are all done with companies that don't, don't have good fundamentals. Well, metals. Like people say gold has no use, but you can't say that about silver. Metals actually have great fundamentals with the way that the printing press presses have been overheating. <laughs> and so, yeah, you, know, you, did, you did pretty good in gold if, versus inflation over the last couple of years, I think. Right. So it, it's been volatile, but it's it's something it's something to look at if, if people have whatever money in TradFi anyway, and they're looking for you know, something different to diversify into. I'm not going to say it is stable. It's not. There's lots of volatility. And yeah, gold was gold was much more obvious at like $1,200 than it is necessarily at higher prices. But it, yeah, it's it's hard to say what like the true value of anything is really. Take a look at the big jump around COVID. So I remember when COVID first started and they were shutting everything down, everybody was going to buy toilet paper. And I found a local coin shop that was selling uh, that had some gold for sale and the price went down just because I think everybody was just like, sell everything. Oh my gosh. And I was like, shit, you know, I felt pretty contrary in the fact that, uh, the whole world scrambling to, to, to buy toilet paper. And I went to go buy gold. What was interesting is I needed cash and I went to the banks and they said that the banks could only give me like little bits of cash. Cause I guess there was a run on the bank of cash. I'm like, why is there a run on the bank? Of oh cash? yeah. I remember that. Yeah. People <laughs> were like looking for cash. Yeah. Yeah. What like, if they're like, going to be printing this shit in droves. <laughs> like They're going to print this shit like crazy. We you don't need cash. So I felt pretty cool and contrarian in that moment. But if you look at that kind of gold $1,500 level, I can't say for sure. But something tells me there's a little bit of a, a floor or a stop there if we ever even get back there. Yeah, you could you could trade your toilet paper gold at that point. It would have would have been a good trade. Right. Right. So like you could you could wipe your ass with like a gold brick or maybe like uh, use like a little, I don't know, bidet or sprayer or something. <laughs> uh, the other the other topic and, and and I don't know if it, like I already dropped whatever, lots of bombs, but uh, the other topic that's in the news that I found interesting was the SEC claiming since the majority of validators for Ethereum of the new merged proof of stake are in America, that that basically the SEC has jurisdiction over the entire chain, which is fucking crazy and kind of scary because now, like, it's I don't think it's an accident that this Tether thing to bring it full circle, Tether, if correct me if I'm wrong, runs on Ethereum, right? And so... Now, all of a sudden, they're going to try and assert it's on it's on multiple chains. But, yeah, the, the main liquidity is on Ethereum. That's correct. Yeah. So, like, I don't know where it stops after that. And I don't know how much they're going to push that argument and, and if they're going to win. But if, if they do, that's really kind of scary because now the SEC is going to kind of assert its dominance over the whatever, anything think, Ethereum. This is one of the things I've said a lot in that the stable coins, the problem is 
is if you have them fully backed, you're not making any money off of them. Like as a company, how does Tether that's survive a, as a company? That's how not USD necessarily true, Sefi. What's that? That? Go ahead. That, that is not necessarily true. So I found a way when I go live to make on average, if I take the market volume of, let's say, uh, BUSDT uh, USD and USDC, approximately it's $175 billion in volume a day. Um, there is a very good way to make money with stable coins, but also to no, no, no. I, I don't, I don't mean you as an individual make money. I'm saying that tether the company. No, as a company, money. as a as a company, there is. So definitely- I'll give an I'll give an example. Like, let's say I had, um, let's say I had, like, okay, I'm a company. I want to start a stable coin, and I have a billion dollars, and I decide I'm going to start a billion dollar stable coin, right? And I issue, I take a hundred billion dollars, I put it there as a you know, in a bank account or something, earning some interest or some or whatever. And then I issue this stable coin. Yeah, when interest rates are higher, it makes sense. But at the same time, you're subjecting yourself to inflation. And um, it's not really clear that like, it's not that different from holding cash in a bank account at that point, unless you invest it somewhere is what I'm getting at. So, so I'll put it to you this way. Um, and I don't want to talk about my project. The whole point is releasing the fiat blockchain um, by itself, like the Satoshi uh, release. But I will say this. We're charging 0.025% on every transaction. But yes, we're a standalone blockchain. We're not an Ethereum virtual network based on um, other people's chains. So every time you transact, as an example, you make a $100 transaction using the US dollar token on the fiat blockchain. Yeah, you're charging a fee. A fee. That fee now will be considered as company profit. But because we understand the premise of community, we decided to take a portion of every transaction fee and reinsert it back to every wallet holder on our network. So there is a tremendous way to make money. Our volume is essentially looking at the three uh, stable shitty tokens in the market today. And if we take their market cap, we'll be making $3 million a day. That's a billion dollars a year in profit. Now, a percentage of that allocation goes back to wallet holders. So we have found the correct model, just just to let you know, Sefi. Yeah, I mean, if there's a way to sort of make it on transaction fees, I suppose, but you're also subject to whatever like inflationary pressures, like regulatory and legal sort of pressures. It depends on how decentralized it is. There's There's a lot to this. And um, it's it's uh, it's a fairly complicated enterprise. But I, I do know this, like the way that Tether and Circle are doing it now, uh, like it's not scalable into the future. It's they're, they're not making enough money if they're fully backed to be scalable in the future. They're so not fully it, backed. This has already been proven. Yeah. You should actually see my LinkedIn they're not fully post backed. like that today. I actually uh, sent uh, and tagged the SEC, the FBI as well. Um, they are definitely <laughs> not backed. No, hey. Tether is not ba- Tether's not back. We already know it's not. They they have a mixture of like commercial paper and different things. They've said this outright. There's no secret. Um, so there's so yeah. If if a problem happens with some of the assets that they have in terms of counterparty risk, then you could have a problem. And so this judge is like, okay, um, if we're going to keep these things allowable in the United States or whatever, then we're going to have to see some sort of like evidence in this regard in terms of what it, it will is all be deemed illegal and, and i can tell you why because the ethereum network is based the majority within the united states and they are classified now as a security there's a hammer coming down on this industry and it's going to be coming down harder than anybody ever expected hey uh about your project first of all applause uh you know hats off to you for for building a cool model it does sound like a big cool it sounds like a cool model the the thing my kind of conspiracy theory to this all is 
the powers that be, and I'm not, it's, forget governments, forget regulatory control money, right? Like those, whatever mysterious eight wallets that torched Luna. Um, they're going to let all these projects kind of scurry around like cockroaches. And if you get any traction, my hope is that you'll invest a lot of those profits, even if you don't give them back to token holders for marketing, which is cool. And that's very awesome. But you really figure out how to bolster your systems because as soon as anybody gets of, of any size and scale, they're just going to fucking try and squash you like a fucking bug, exactly like they did Luna, right? I mean, yeah, definitely I've don't. Got no, I've got no contraction contracts within my protocol. It's not possible. It's, it's, it's a live rate based on live Google rates at any given time. There is no contraction to my contract. It's called hey, proof um, of value. Awesome, dude. And I, I, I don't know your attack factors. I'm just saying, and I, I'm like, I'm on your side, man. I want you to make it work. But just consider all possible attack factors. Don't sponsor any sports teams. And just mind yourself when you start getting of scale and you start making some money and pour lots of money back into security. I want somebody to figure this out. I hope it's you. Yeah, security is my number one priority. That's actually my day job. Question for the um, MRC of finance. So are you going to list your coins at your coins, obviously, because it has its own block. It has its own blockchain, right? It can't be a token, right? But Correct. one of the things that I've noticed is I'm in a project that listed their uh, their coins at zero without any value, had a public uh, equal launch at zero because they were lawyers and they were brilliant and they wanted to make sure that their blockchain can never be labeled as a security. So I encourage you to think of it from that lens, because if you list it with value right then and there, they can come back to you and call it a security. But if you list it at zero and you allow the market forces and you give people an equal opportunity for distribution, in my opinion, based on my knowledge, you can't call it a security. If it appreciates after that, it has a fair launch at zero. That's a nice little workaround, by the way, to get out of that whole security conversation. I, I appreciate that, uh, no John. Uh, but we've gone the route of getting federally regulated and holding an international banking license. Cool. We're hey, not no, working against totally the grain. Cool. We're working with it. Totally cool. I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know much about your project, but sounds like you're on the right path and you've thought it through because you really have to think ahead on these things and you have to know where you're vulnerable and how you're positioning. So good job. Good job to you. Nice to meet you. And actually, Jonathan, uh, interestingly, like in tokenomic design, it's actually really hard to uh, list something at kind of zero or make some kind of community distribution because there's usually a, a whole lot of problems that happen with that too, by the way. It's not that easy to do. Um, like I've talked about this sort of thing with a lot of projects and it's not, you, you end up wind, you wind up with sort of like central information centrality, meaning like, let's say Addie knows I'm going to start a coin or something. Right. And she knows about it before a lot of other people because she's hanging out over here. Right. Um, then what will happen is, is then she will have an asymmetric knowledge base and she'll be able to get a lot more coins at a much lower price. So what you end up having is it's, it's never really a fair distribution. It's like, there's no such thing as kind of like, uh, yeah, that's the, that's a great point, Seppi. Unless, unless you're literally going to dump it on every person on the planet, but even then it doesn't get fair because not everyone knows that they got the coin. <laughs> like it's weird. No, you're hundred percent right there. There is, you know, the thing about crypto, which I always found interesting is that, and it's the same thing in the art world too, to a certain degree. It's like, if you're in an unregulated market, 
there is no such thing as insider trading. There's no such thing as huge information edges because it's unregulated. So you're 100% right. Of course, a project that lists at zero, the people that know about it, they're able to buy up a certain amount of supply. So it does create certain concentration risks as well, which is what you're alluding to. But as far as technically, uh, from a registration standpoint, you don't right. have to, you don't have to be worry as much as it being labeled as security. That was That's correct. I prefer to, to, to work uh, with the how we test than against it. And that's the premise of why I built the fiat blockchain. We're separating ourselves from the crypto industry as a whole and working on the premise of just being able to tokenize assets on chain, make them auditable and variable at any given time. And with giving you the opportunity to send and receive funds near real time at a fraction of the cost of traditional wire transfers. That's all we've done. Yeah, it's just like a different, it's almost like a banking rail almost. But yeah. That is exactly it. It is. It's a replacement of SWIFT. That, that without, exactly without having to have brick and mortar, basically. Correct. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, Jonathan, uh, like, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, it's an interesting sort of like discussion, the entire concept of giving away money. Like, uh, you know, a good way to look at it is like, let's say, for example, Addy, Addy's in finance, right? I'm sorry, in uh, uh, fashion. So let's say she has a new fashion company and she's got this like, I don't know, cosmetic line, let's say, make up something here. And she wants to have this cosmetic line go out to every woman in America, right? Uh, and she wants to be able to issue each of them a share of this company. Um, just imagine how that would play out, right? You just get a list of all the women in America, maybe using like the post office or something. You send everybody like a little coupon that, that uh, says, okay, you have like part ownership in something. Um, and then you sort of, you try to send this, you know, a, a, a product sample to everybody and maybe it's going to become a collector's item or something like that. Right. Um, it's actually very difficult to do and it's actually very expensive to do. And it is actually hard to garner attention of every single woman in America. As an example, it would be very difficult to, even if you gave it away, it's hard to avoid like a few people that are like, Oh, I know Addy, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of this, like, uh, coupon or coin or whatever it is. And uh, other people like, I don't know, whatever the hell this is, I'm gonna, they're not even going to throw it away. They're going to throw it in their junk mail, right? So <laughs> like distributing um, like airdrops and all of this sort of business has been like part of the crypto space for quite some time. This idea of like the fair launch, the idea of um, like lock drops. Uh, if you look at like Prism Protocol's lock drop, you, you start up the price of something and you have the price actually drop after it is released. Um, and it's algorithmically dropped. So, you know, people have a fair chance to buy at whatever price they think is fair. And so people have like really done a lot of research with these, what's called lock drops or fair drops and airdrops and all these different things. And most of them involve various like trade-offs in crypto. None of them are sort of perfect in terms of getting the, the, a bunch of people that own the coin who have a vested interest in the success of that project um, is sort of what you're trying to achieve with that. Um, so yeah, even like when, uh, uh Bloom, what, what you were talking about, like, even if you were able to do this and it was not a security, you wind up getting an entire audience that might be a bunch of screw ups anyway. <laughs> like you might not actually get the audience that is going to participate in governance in a meaningful way and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a, it's been an interesting, like human experiment, like, blockchains and stuff don't like change human beings necessarily substantially our like motives our financial incentives and all of that stuff um are not that different than they were let's say 10 years or 20 or 50 years ago so the traditional finance world usually has a lot of lessons 
for any kind of like new crypto or new financial product, new product in general, or new company you might be trying to start. There's nothing really that new about anything in that regard. Like most of these ideas have been fleshed out to a, a large extent. And, you know, like all blockchain does is provide a few sort of things. It, it provides maybe some speed in certain circumstances. It might prov provide like immutability, which means that your transactions can't be erased. Um, so there's certain features of like, you know, a decentralized database that are useful, but it's not like they're going to automatically change the world just because they exist. And um, yeah, like Steffi, I really appreciate that because, you know, you have to study history. I mean, the mediums change, which is exactly what you're talking about. I could tell we're similar age uh, to a certain degree on our conversations, but I'll point people back to the tulip mania. You know, we can count on human behavior, just like the teenagers have their thirst. Like, it's all the same shit. We're just doing it through different mediums or different asset classes. We can always bank on people being selfish and putting their greed first. So it is an amazing experience. And I, it is fascinating to watch this thing play out, you know, in the last, uh, what are we doing, nine, you know, four, what, 13 years or something that this has been going on from, if you count when, uh, you know, Bitcoin basically had their genesis block, right? It's, it's absolutely amazing to me because history repeats itself. And if you're smart enough, you'll study market history, you'll study economics, you'll position yourself for where technology is going. Uh, I think most of the people in this room understand that. And you're trying to find the next Google. You're trying to find the next Amazon in the crypto space, right? 99.5% of these projects are all going to be complete bullshit. Hopefully you have something that has a blockchain attached to it so it has some type of reality to it but uh yeah it's just it's, it's just so interesting to watch so thank you I, I will say that blockchain doesn't have a premise for all businesses and that is the misconception that the not a lot of people understand they think adding a blockchain to everything makes it now remarkable a blockchain is actually very stupid just just to let you know i'd also like to apologize for not charging my phone enough during the day uh that's on me so i'm sorry Oh, you're talking about the day that you were hosting and like <laughs> got disconnected. Listen, I've never done a seven hour. I was proud of myself. I thought open eye was very interesting. You know, uh, clearly we've probably run through that uh, whole thing, but seven hours is a long time. I'm an old man, dude. I just, I passed out. I didn't charge my phone. Sorry. You've never gone that long. Bloom? Uh, with regard to spaces, Dr. K or what? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would argue if you know what you're doing, you do not need seven hours. I think if you know what you're doing, you can get good things done in under 10 minutes. Yeah, I have the, I have the opposite problem. My wife is like, my wife's, my wife's in the position where it's like, hey, uh, like, um, like, I want to last longer. That's what she's like, you know, like, make this go for like, you know, uh, even longer. And I'm like, well, you're, you're just like coming too quickly. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, um, you know, like it's like, yeah. uh, it's like, a, it's like an interesting problem to have. Right. It's like, wow, I, don't Steffi, to, I don't know what to do about it. Maybe you guys have, like, maybe ladies have some kind of like uh solution to this problem. Right. Like, yeah, Steffi got it last night. Right. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Fresh on your mind today. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> you you do what you got to do, but I'm just saying, like, it's like you, you there's sometimes uh, the opposite issue happens where it's like, hmm, how am I going to make this go uh, longer? And she's like, 
well, don't do this or don't do that because you're going to make things happen too quickly for me. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, hmm. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I think that would be great for a woman to be able to like, not to take so long. I don't know. I guess we're not all the same. So you're like, you wish it was more efficient. Like, it's just be like, absolutely. I'm a single mom. I don't have time for this shit. Let's get it. You're, you're busy. Yeah, you're a busy woman. So it's like, if you could make this happen in like five seconds or whatever, it's like, all right, it's one and done, right? But I do like, like, after like cuddled shit and like talking. So for like at least like 20 minutes, I don't like, like the get up and go type shit. So, I mean, there's, it's not just like, you know, this, the sex for me. And this is really way too early for me to be talking about this on a public space, but I'm just being honest. Well, I mean, like <laughs> you asked, I didn't bring it up. Like, I was like, you're like, yeah. oh, um, I'd like to yeah, apologize to the room. Every time I'm in the room, we tend to go here. Um, <laughs> I get a little excited. <laughs> Yeah, I was like chatting yesterday, I think, and it was like, uh, I was like, duty calls, see you guys. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, good luck. And like, you know, he's getting laid today and all this kind of like commentary in the background, right? Like DMs. And I'm like, yeah. uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I told Bloom yesterday, I was like, I'm getting worried about Steffi and his wife. It's he's on space too true. much. My wife's like, and then so happy. She's like, quit so fucking around with these uh, these chicks on the spaces and like um <laughs> come do me or whatever. I'm like, okay, all right, yes, ma'am, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, you know, so funny, yeah, she heard Zara's accent when I was on and, and she's like, Who's that? And I'm like, This is Zara. And uh she's like, Who I was like, Who's that? It's like one of my internet friends. And um I was like uh, yeah, we're going to be visiting her, by the way, in the UK at some point. So just be able to just be aware of this, right? <laughs> it, it's just very funny because like my friends that aren't on spaces, like they don't understand how like we can live our lives and then we can pick up our phones and just connect with people across the country, across the world. And we actually have relationships and friendships with these people or we talk about topics like it's such an abstract concept to normal people for real. Well, it's just a, it's a nice medium for like finding like like-minded people and all that. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, different conversations, different types of crowds. It's, it's fun on here. Like, uh, it's a lot different than, uh, like, I don't know, like the, like Facebook and all of those things are kind of a very sort of like keyboard warrior type of thing. And I think you get a better feel for people when you hear their actual voice and their inflection and like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like comedy comes across much better. Like, you know, all of that, like you, it, it's harder to be like funny in a text, I think, or just, you know, carry on some banter or whatever. It's fun. I like it. Yeah. You get in the moment kind of feedback as opposed to like a, a perfectly crafted post that you're like interacting with and you like, but you get to like on spaces actually really hear the person's personality. So it's nice. Yeah, I mean, you could make friends with like, I don't know, your neighbors, for example, or coworkers or something like that, right? But um, the odds that you're going to find sort of like people with like-minded interests is a little bit less. Um, you could certainly do that in like forums, like, I don't know, Reddit and like, I don't know, whatever, like different like nerd forums of different specialized sort of hobbies and whatever. Um, and those can be fun too. Like I've actually met people um, through those kind of forums as well. What you'll find is like, 
crowds that are really, I don't know what the word is, but like <laughs> I super specialized about some hobby, for example. Um, they're so like uniformly interested in those things. Like it's weird. It's like you form a trust factor with them because you're like, oh, someone who's really, really into, I don't know, like, you know, electronic equipment or something is probably not a creep. <laughs> you know, like probably you can uh, like meet up with them at something. I remember um, I got invited once to um, like I got invited once to uh, like some meetup for some audio based thing, like like uh, audiophile kind of crowd. And some company sort of said, hey, like, we've got tickets to this thing. Do you want to show up? And I was like, OK, whatever. And I go hang out and like there was an after party at some house and to, like kind of a multimillionaire kind of a character. Um, and uh, I remember I don't know if you guys have like heard of the like Brazilian style restaurant like Tejas de Brazil. Have you heard of that? Like, do they have them where you guys are in yeah. the northeast? <laughs> You've, you've What's that? Bringing food is green and stop bringing food is red. Is that part of it? Uh, you're you're kind of breaking up for me. I didn't hear that. Can you guys hear me? Okay, or is it just him? Is this is this better? Is this better now? Yeah, a little bit better. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Brazilian steakhouses. You have. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Brazilian steakhouse. And, green, uh, green is like, the food for you to stop, right? Yeah. So when I went to this party at, at, at this thing, like I ended up meeting like the the head chef for like this big Brazilian steakhouse thing. And like I was hanging out on a balcony, like out in somebody's house being served like Tejas de Brazil by like the the lead chef or the owner of the company or whatever shit. And um, it was just interesting, like the these like crowds that you meet when you're talking about enthusiasts, like people who are really, really hardcore into some specialty hobby, they tend to be kind of wealthier because like you have to have money to be playing in that those spaces. But also they tend to have lots of interesting people they know who kind of you can rub elbows with and whatever. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Like um, so, yeah, like those kinds of events, I've met all sorts of interesting people like uh you know, different CEOs of tech companies and whatever. And you just like, if you just kind of like just roam around, like you end up meeting a lot of interesting people that, um, that you make connections with and such. It just depends on what you're into. Uh, but I find like, especially in the United States, at least like the opportunity to like meet a lot of interesting people is simply a matter of whether you put yourself out there. It has very little to do with like, um, those people being inaccessible necessarily. Um, I think people just don't like try at all, like to go to those places where these people are and like try to meet those folks. But I find that like uh, compared to like, let's say the 1980s or something like that, like once like Internet forums became a thing, like you could definitely make some interesting connections with some really sharp people. Um, and I think Twitter spaces just took that to a slightly different level. Like I would not have necessarily imagined playing around in Twitter spaces that I'd be meeting founders of tons of different like blockchain projects and whatever, you know, by just hanging out in spaces and having fun. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting experience so far. And I think um, like if you just stick around, like eventually you'll you'll catch up with all sorts of folks and uh, like maybe something rubs off on you. Maybe it doesn't like who knows, but um, maybe you get in a few companies. <laughs> 
whatever. But I think uh, like when they say like, oh, like it's the friends you make along the way, they're not kidding. Like, uh, you know, when you go to different meets and conferences and this and that, you'll, you'll definitely make a lot of new interesting friends that you didn't have before. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think as a single parent, it's been awesome. Like the internet has been, has like saved me because I was a teacher during the day for like 12 years and you can't really network all the time. Like I'd try to go to conferences, but like, you know, those would take all day and I'd drive into the city. But now it's like direct access and LinkedIn was one thing. I started meeting like so many people via LinkedIn, but now it's just that direct access. Like you can't beat it. I don't know. So yeah, there is there is this element though of like uh like on the internet there is an element of like the more you contribute uh, the more that you're seen as being sort of like a contributor in some way um the more you can help somebody else the more likely someone's going to help you so it's not like you know it's just simply like always maybe rubbing elbows just for rubbing elbows sake to some extent. Um, you know, I think, uh, the more you're sort of around, the more other people are likely to be around you. Maybe, I don't know what the, like, yeah, it's like a networking thing. Um, so yeah, in one way it's kind of intentional in other ways. It isn't like, I guess sometimes it's just random chance. You tend to kind of like I've had people come into spaces sometime. I'm like, oh shit, look, that's, uh, you know, like, um, I, I think who was it? Was it, uh, was it you Addy or was it like, uh, Zara or one of you had like Mark Andreessen following you. I don't remember which one of you it was. It was Zara. Yeah. Like Zara has like Andreessen following him, like her, her and she's like, yeah, why is this billionaire following me? I'm like, I don't know. You must have like funny posts or something. Um, so <laughs> it's interesting how like the, the network kind of works, uh, like who knows? Yeah. It's, it's also interesting. Like, uh, like there's actually, after hanging out for a while, there's all sorts of founders and stuff that follow my account for whatever reason, for fun or whatever. And, um, the it's, so I have to kind of watch out. It's like, if I post something, um, the, the larger it gets and depending on who you want to sort of like network with in a sense, you have to sort of be careful what you say, how you say it and all of that sort of business. Whereas like a pure anon account where you can just fuck around is different. But the problem is in a pure anon account, like in the sense that like, if you're not actually um, providing any useful information of any kind, you wind up with a situation where like no one is like, networking with you at all which i don't know it's it depends on how you want to spend your time i think it's it's uh you have to kind of decide i guess with a twitter account what you want out of it and then you know see, see what how, how it can be useful to you i think it's like for me it's like i already have a job so to me it's like a, a way of sort of like entertaining myself to a large extent <laughs> and uh when people like send me messages and stuff like oh would you like to work for us or some shit I'm like, uh, I don't know, like, not really. <laughs> I don't really want to be a marketer or something. Uh, or like, you know, like, like if there's like an NFT project or something and they're like, oh, can you retweet our thing? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. But a lot of times even then, like, um, I'm cautious about the idea of like taking freebies from different uh, 
from different projects and stuff because then they they expect something out of you eventually right and, and and you shouldn't because you don't know who they are it's it's very difficult to really yeah. understand who you can trust here in the world of web or at twitter per se it's 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 yeah, it's really concerning how, how can you or you cannot trust who you meet on twitter spaces yeah and it's and even like uh yeah, you, like it's quite possible that you could retweet something about some project that looks cool, like maybe they have nice artwork or something like that. And it turns out it's like some sort of rug pull project or some bullshit. Um, so I, I don't really want to get too in deep with projects in a sense. Like I don't have the time to vet each of them to go, wait, like, is this like really, really, really credible? Is it just interesting? You know, there's a big difference between like care about it um and just simply just arbitrarily like retweeting something and um yeah it's it's a tricky thing but i i tend to be um a little bit careful about it i think if it um if it like you know a lot of times if it fits with the ethos of whatever i'm doing um like let's say for example it's like projects in the cosmos and i just want to give them a little bit of exposure or something like that Uh, like you know to me that's fine but at the same time um you know, if I don't really know anything about the project, you know, maybe I'll, the max I'll do is retweet it or something like that. Or, and even a space is like, um, uh, like it's hard to tell, you know, anyone can sound credible in a Twitter spaces for a short period of time. Right. So it's like if people go and shill you some project or something, it could be good. It could be bullshit. It's really hard to tell. Um, yeah. And just because they've, uh, like gotten a reasonable sized community, by the way, does not automatically mean they're credible. Um, so there's plenty of examples where like, you know, some sort of project people got interested in was seemed cool, but then like it was a rug pull anyway, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, and you can sort of like, what I like about Twitter spaces is also like, let's say you're in it for the art. Like, let's say Gina puts out a new project and it's like an art project, certain sort of like language. They have a, like passion that's very specific like that you can't fake that easily um i guess if you're a really really good actor you could be a real good con artist about things i suppose and if you've been around long enough let's say for example you're an artist and a con artist like maybe you could really do a good job like faking it till you make it and then like you know do a rug pull or something but i find that a lot of times um you can tell like who speaks the language of crypto who speaks the language of nfts who speaks the language of art whatever that their product is like people that are really hardcore enthusiasts have like a, a demeanor about them. They have a vocabulary that um, is not just like an actor came up with it. It'd be very, it'd be like, like I'll give an example. Like, let's say you um, maybe learned like karate or something like that to act in a movie and you're an actor, right? Um, you're going to have a different way of speaking about the sport compared to someone who actually is in it for the sport and i think you would eventually be able to tease it out in conversation over the course of maybe an hour or something like that you would sort of get an idea okay this person learned what they needed to learn for acting and this person learned what they needed to learn because they've been doing this for years and years and years and they look they watch like they follow like karate forums and they like have all these different moves that they learned and they're telling you about the nuances of one you know one like martial arts versus the other and all this kind of thing like credible people um have sort of like a language about them that you can you can tell like like for example like i could claim to be a physician or whatever you could probably test me and discover pretty quickly like 
you know, what kind of questions I can answer or not answer and like determine whether I'm telling the truth or not. If you, but you would have to know enough about that field to know that I'm not bullshitting you, right? That's the thing. And I think in, in the, if you, if you're one of those people that has a lot of hobbies who is in a lot of different things, I think you have a better idea, like whether you're being bullshitted by someone who's in one of those detail oriented fields, um, if that makes sense, but yeah, Carrie, what's up? Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I was trying to put the hand down, but <clears throat> so Voyager sale has been postponed from the 29th to October 19th. So just letting everyone know we won't find out for a while now. Oh, really? So yeah. Yeah. Jer I think Jer Bear popped up. Uh... Oh, sorry. Say, man. <laughs> Carrie, do you not get the Discord notifications for so our I Discord? To, I had to shut them off. Um, I just wanted to tell the people on this group about it. Why, Gina? I'm asking you because lots of times, you know, me and other people will tag the entire Heroes um, team. So I didn't know if you you get them or not, because I rarely see you or like Lagertha or even Wonder Woman in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's, I, I'm in like a bunch of discords and I just find discord to be complicated for me because it's not linear. I'm trying to get better at it, but I just, it doesn't come intuitively to me. I'd rather just like, like, you know, the lovely ladies one that we have, like that's super easy for me to follow because it's between four people and it's on Twitter. But sometimes I... Yeah, I did it today, Gina, because you were giving me a hard time about not being as good in Discord as I should be. So I'm trying. It's you know what? I don't I had to shut up the notifications because all day long at work, it's like just constant. I'm like so popular and I don't know what to do about it, you know? All these apps that everyone wants to eat. Well well, Carrie, sorry to interrupt. You know you can just mute certain channels on Discord that you don't want to receive notifications for, right? Yeah, I just I gotta figure everything out, Jer Bear. I'm an old lady. Oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't, I didn't need to offend you. <laughs> no, I like Discord. I, I want to know what everyone likes so much about it. Like, you know how there's like an app that you're like, nah, it's okay. But like, everyone's like, oh, I love this. And like, I love Twitter spaces. And like, a lot of people are like, yeah, it's all right. I'm like, I just don't, I think I just don't understand it. Like, it's Carrie. value. So, so Discord is essentially mostly used from developers for automation. That was the main purpose of it, to make things a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it was for work purposes and I just was following one, I guess, yeah, maybe I would like it. I just, I feel like the other, when I did use it or tried to, um, I pressed, there's a, a woman, Kit, her name is Baroness on, um, on Twitter. And literally she was just like talking in my house because I pressed the wrong button and she's, because I pressed the wrong button and all of a sudden I'm like talking to someone. So I just don't, I feel like, I don't know. I need to play around with it a little bit more before I wander Discord's, into that. Discord's one of those things though, that if you turn off the notifications, you miss the entire point of it because then you're not actually exactly. following the conversation. And if you wait too long, you now have a homework assignment to go and look back and see what happened. So the problem is like, so it's almost like the thing is just like, you know, I don't know. It feels like, I don't know. It's a torture test of some kind. And I agree with Carrie, like it's, it's all right if you're in one or two things, but if you have like a half dozen or, you know, you know, a dozen different teams or whatever, and everyone's just like got something going on, then um, it's not particularly that interesting. It's just annoying. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Stephanie. Yeah. One of my friends actually has like two Discord accounts because he's just on so many different crypto servers and he's like, it helps me keep like more organized. And I'm like, Christ almighty, you must spend so much time on Discord. It must be unfathomable. Like I, I couldn't imagine how much time he does. And it's just, yeah, some some servers too that I'm on, it's like there's just a million channels and you'll never be able to keep up with everything. And it's just- I, I think each type of each type of social media and each type of like um, communication networking system, it speaks to certain types of um, people's minds. Like some people prefer like a Facebook or some people prefer um, a Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And there is this kind of tendency that you are like, it seeks out to, um, latch on to the people whose mind tends to favor that type of behavior. So if you're like a discord type of person, you're a discord type of person. It's like, you know, like you're either you're born that way or whatever. And if you can get used to it, great. And you're going to use it fine. But I think a lot of the times, like each of them have their own type of personality or not, not personality. Like you have to have a certain type of like aptitude to latch on to one of these type of platforms and really love them. Yeah, I completely I, agree. Like, I, sorry to interrupt you, John. Uh, no problem. <laughs> I, I will wait for you. But I just want to say real quickly, I tried Discord because I have like a lot of friends in the NFT Web3 world. I have ADHD. And eventually I just said, man, Discord sucks. You cannot follow fucking more than three rooms. And I basically, they just started texting me if I need to know something. Because like, there's no chance being above 40, you can keep up with, 10 or 15 discord rooms. And I don't know how any of you do it. I really have no clue how you freaking do it. It's a, it's disgusting. I hate it. Very frustrating, but a credit to you young people that can pull it off. I tried, I spent a legit six months trying to do it. Finally, I was like, fucking I'm out. If you need me, text me, I'm out. No, it's, I think it's what it is, is you have to ignore a lot of it. So it's like when people say that they really keep up with it, I don't know that they really do. <laughs> like, I think that you wind up muting some things and you do like, I don't know. I think some people pay, do the paid Discord, I heard. And apparently, if you pay for the service, there's more like um, tweaks in there in terms of what you can adjust. Yeah, it's I mainly for the communities, though. Like if you like I'm a Twitter loyalist, I've been on Twitter for 13 years and I was very against joining Discord in the beginning. Floki talked me into it. And I have to say I'm a proponent of it for communities because you have some level of privacy because not just anybody can enter in there. And if there's someone you want to kick out, you can kick out. And then if you are like all over the world, like the VGX heroes are, you can make free phone calls or video calls. That's how, you know, Carrie, it's how we call Lagertha in New Zealand. Um, so I think there's a lot of advantages to Discord. And I know some of our heroes, Carrie, don't like it. And I've like gone on the phone with them and walked them through it. And then they're more comfortable with it and like it. And, so I can and, do that. And Gina, I think, Gina, it also has to do with like what kind of work you do for a day job. Because the thing about social media platforms and keeping up with them, if you have a type of day job that makes you stuck where you can't read your discord feed or whatever until the evening comes along and you can't keep up with it like then you're sort of screwed what's that like i'm a trader i can barely look at my phone during the day you know yeah i just yeah so i think what it is is like if you're if you have a type of um community where like the people in it have the ability to jump on and off it fairly readily and pay attention and what you say actually reaches them i think it's worthwhile but 
I think in my mind, like it's the same problem I had. I love music. And um, I like like all the cool music platforms out there, the Apple Musics and the Spotify's and these kind of things. And it's interesting, but my line of work prevents me from really listening to music, you know, a vast majority of the day. And um, like I'll get a phone call, it'll get interrupt, inter interrupted or like I'm talking to people. And so that there's no point in even bothering. So I think what you'll notice is the the like that is really, really cool. It's a great innovation but it didn't actually improve my ability to listen to music on a daily basis. That had more to do with my own personal problems, not so much the platform problems. So I think discord to me, like the problem I have with it is in order to keep up with it um, in any meaningful way, and telegram's largely the same thing is I, you really have to be checking it a few times a day. Otherwise it's like an email box where you get too much email and it's like a major, it becomes a major homework assignment. Yeah, uh, One thing I liked about it was like, Gina, when we were do like when I was looking over our um, documents about, I, I mean, I get now that like maybe it is great for work auto automation, but remember, Gina, we were doing the heroes like code of ethics or something like that was good because everything was in one place. So I can see it for that. I just, yeah, to follow up with the, like a long, long chat all day is, is tough for me. So. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part Chippy Space titled Convo. Recorded on Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London The rules are confusing, so let loose the juices And try not to act like they tightened up the noose These fools are abused like a problem stepchild Ruling the coop with some modest exile I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles A comfy padded room where I'm walking my best miles So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving I'm up with the platter, a bait behind the curtain Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it Letting these nerds know the weight was worth it. I'll perk it up while I serve in some bullshit. This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans. Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth. It's getting on my nerves, so let's make them feel nervous. Tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind. You gotta wash the brain and erase the time. Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line.